I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Today I'm going to discuss the sixth month of Elul. The month of Elul is a particularly beautiful season in God's time, and I'll get to that momentarily. But before I do, let's quickly review the months of the year we have already been through. The first month of Abib, or Nisan, is the month of Passover and the Feast of First Fruits. Israel was brought out of Egypt, and our Lord and Savior Jesus died on Nisan 14, on a full moon. Jesus was the first fruit of the dead. It is a time to remember the death of Jesus and celebrate in reverence. The church, by and large, does not celebrate Passover. It celebrates Easter, or the resurrection. This was a mandate handed down by Constantine, the emperor of Rome, and the Council of Nicaea. Nisan is a time that we reconfirm or reaffirm our covenant with Christ. Christ made covenant with us, and yes, we are to be in covenant with him. Some may reaffirm this as a rededication of one's life. In the second month of E.R., we align ourselves with the covenant names of God found in Exodus chapters 15, 16, and 17. Yahweh Rapha, God is my healer. Yahweh Yirah. God who provides, and Yahweh Nisi, God is my victory. Having reaffirmed our covenant with Christ in Nisan and positioned ourselves under the covenant names of God in Er, we are amply prepared for a fresh outpouring of Holy Spirit in the month of Siphon during Pentecost and the Feast of Weeks. The fourth month of Tammuz is foreboding as demonic forces swarm the earth. Gay Pride Month is an example. It was a time when Israel turned their back to God and did what was right in their own eyes. It was the following fifth month of Ab that both temples were destroyed in judgment. Those two months are dark and historically evil times in which we must let our worship and praise be elevated. Then we come to the current sixth month of Elul. Elul is mentioned by name once in the Bible. You can find it in Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 15 in regard to the restoration of the city walls of Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. And it reads, So the wall was completed on the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. The sixth month is also mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 8 verse 1. Haggai, chapter 1, verse 1, and in chapter 1, verse 15, and in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26. And believe it or not, Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, outlines a period in regard to this month. I'll come back to that shortly and explain. But first, let me tell you that the name Elul is a Hebrew acronym. In the book Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 3, we read, 
I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He pastures his flock among the lilies. Now, if you take the first letter of the Hebrew words, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine, put those letters together, that is Elul. Now, first two questions of the day. Do you truly belong to the beloved? Is the beloved truly yours? Remember those two questions as we progress. Think about them. As I give you additional information by the time we finish, you won't have to wonder about truthful answers. You'll know. Elul is a month of turning back to God. It is a month of retrospect, self-evaluation, and repentance. In the first chapter of the book of Joel, we find a land devastated by the gnawing locusts, the swarming locusts, the creeping locusts, and the stripping locusts. Starvation and drought have come over the land and its people. Even the livestock and beasts of the field are facing dire circumstances. Chapter 1 goes on to speak about a great army, that which will march upon Israel, Judah, and Jerusalem. But let's look at chapter 2, verses 12 and 14. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in mercy, and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, even a grain offering or a drink offering. Now that is a call for a nation to return to God with a sincere heart. It is a time of retrospect, to see the error of the ways of a nation that has brought God's judgment upon itself. In those days, the locusts had destroyed the crops and pastures. There was no food. Because of drought, there was little water. Is there anything like that happening today? Well, food may not be scarce, but the costs have definitely gone up. Lake Mead and the Colorado River have been drying up for years now. Locusts are not swarming the nation that we live in, but evil is. LGBTQIA plus is being promoted and supported by our nation's capital. Drag queens are seeking audiences of our children. Our borders are wide open and cartel drugs have a wide open highway into the land. There are works in progress to convince states to adopt lenient abortion laws. And those are just some of the beginnings of problems our country faces. America has progressively been turning her back on God. Even the church, to some extent, has been caving to inclusivity. Alas, the Lord gives us hope through Joel, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And those verses give us some instructions. The instructions are, Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, Proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing infants, let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride out of her bridal chamber, let the priest, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, 
and do not make your inheritance a reproach and a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? Now there's a word in the Hebrew language that is used to describe this time in Joel chapter 2 verses 12 through 17. It's called Teshuvah. Let's look at those instructions again. What is the first instruction given? Blow the trumpet. Well, why blow a trumpet? Well, the first thing, God said blow a trumpet. That's obedience. The second thing is the sounding of a trumpet is a call to action saying, wake up, pay attention, return to me. Jeremiah six seventeen states, I have set watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. And they said, we will not listen. What's the second instruction? Consecrate a fast. Fasting or depriving oneself will bring you closer to God quicker than anything else because you are relying upon God to sustain you. Third instruction is to proclaim a solemn assembly. What's that? It's a holy gathering. The fourth and fifth instruction is to gather the people to a solemn assembly that they may be sanctified. What does that mean? It means that though they may be set apart from the rest, it means that there should be an obvious distinction between the church and the rest of the world. So much for the church that peddles inclusivity. The sixth instruction is to assemble the elders. Why wait until halfway down the list of instructions to assemble the elders? Well, if the elders are truly the wise and seasoned believers that they are supposed to be, they will serve as an example for the rest of the congregation. However, in many instances, in many churches, the elders are not so wise or not so seasoned. They are, yes, people appointed by a pastor to advance his vision instead of God's purpose to equip the saints. The seventh and eighth instructions are to gather the children and the nursing infants. Why do you think that is? So that they can see that the adults sounding trumpets, fasting, gathering in holy assembly, and being set apart. Children need to see and hear that so that they will remember and not repeat the mistakes of the older generations. You see any of that going on nowadays? No. Me either. The ninth and tenth instructions are for the groom and the bride to come out. What could that possibly mean? Well, it means several things. If there's a wedding in progress, stop the wedding. As important as the wedding is between a man and a woman, the wedding of God to his people is more important. If God is wedded to his people, including the bride and groom, their marriage begins on a more solid foundation. Another thing is that the groom and bride are to follow these instructions to solidify their union. One more thing. It is indicative of a groom that is coming to claim his bride when Jesus returns to reclaim the church. The eleventh instruction for the priests to weep between the porch and the altar. Seen many pastors, elders, and deacons doing that lately? No, me neither. Not many. 
But looking at the instructions regarding what the priests are to be saying, O Lord, do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, Where is their God? The inheritance that is being spoken of is a land possessed by the people of Israel. And I'm not speaking of the country, Israel. I'm speaking of the descendants of Jacob who God named Israel. It was in reproach among all the nations. And just like Israel was in that day when Babylon marched into Judah and Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, taking the inhabitants in captivity, when Israel was a laughingstock of the Middle East, these United States are the laughingstock of the world currently. Oh, where is their God? Thank God that an inheritance in his kingdom is coming that will never be in reproach. A kingdom where God will be manifest in all his glory. Now, of those instructions that I have outlined for you, tell me, is anyone, anywhere, doing any of that? No, I don't think so. Worse yet, they will not be doing so in the time of Elul during Teshuvah. Teshuvah begins the first day of Elul, and as I have said, it is a time of retrospect. It lasts for 40 days. How has your year been going? What were the victories that were won? What were the most difficult times that you experienced? Were you as obedient to God's word and as faithful to God as you could have been? Or did you give in to the desires of the flesh? Where are you in your spiritual walk with God? But all is not lost. All is not lost if things have not gone well for you. Teshuvah is a time to hear the trumpet sound, to wake up and pay attention. You may think I'm off my rocker, but I'll be sounding the trumpet every day from the first day of Elul through the tenth day of Tishri in the seventh month. Why? Because God said, blow a trumpet. I'll sound the trumpet throughout Elul. I'll sound the trumpet the first day of Tishri, the seventh month. For in the Bible, that is Yom Teruah, the great day of the great shout. The Jews refer to it as Rosh Hashanah, which is a two-day event that opens the Feast of Trumpets, beginning the new year on the Jewish civil calendar. After the Feast of Trumpets comes Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. I'll be sounding a trumpet for 40 days, repenting, raising a great shout, and remembering that Jesus went into the Holy of Holies not built by the hands of man one time to offer his blood to atone for my sin. What happens when we do this according to instructions in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 17? Well, now wait. We've pretty much established that no one is adhering to the instructions in Joel 2, verses 12 through 17. But with that being a sad thing, let's look at the promise when we do adhere to those instructions. In Joel chapter 2, verses 18 through 32. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine, and oil. And you will be satisfied in full with them, and I will never again make your reproach among the nations. 
but I will remove the northern army far from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rear guard into the western sea, and its stench will arise, and its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. Do not fear, O land, rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the fields, for the pastures in the wilderness have turned green. For the tree has borne its fruit, the fig and the vine have yielded in full. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God. For he has given you the early rain for your vindication, and has poured down for you the rain, the early and latter rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Then I will make up to you for the years that swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God. And there is no other, and my people will never be put to shame. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and in the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be delivered from Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. There will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Now you may say, Lonnie, all that stuff's already come to pass. And you'd be correct. It has come to pass. Not once, but twice. You see, I'm not just talking about the country of Israel. I'm talking about God's people, Israel. Am I not God's people? Am I not grafted in? Are the atrocities of that day not recurring today? I'm just pointing that out. I'm just saying. But it's a promise for God's people. Return to me. I'm going to turn this whole thing around. You know what? God might just do that. And he might not. He may dispatch the son to come set up his kingdom on this earth. I'm okay with that. I figure I'd rather have that promise. But no one's following instructions. Well, if the church won't follow those instructions, I'm going to follow those instructions within my household. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm not. One more thing. The time of Teshuvah during the month of Elul and into the first of the month of Tishri is when the king would come down out of the palace into the fields to meet with the common folk. At any other time, one had to make an appointment to see the king. You had to dress a certain way to enter into the king's court. You had to act a certain way. 
you had to be very careful what you said and how you said it. But during Elul, the king would come down out of the palace where the common man could approach him without all the pomp and circumstance. The king was accessible to the commoner, and his decisions that he would make would determine how the commoner's year would go. That's part of Elul and Teshuvah. When Jesus died on a cross, a temple veil was torn, and we were granted access to the king on an individual, personal level. Oh, we can approach the cross with our petitions and prayers anytime. But the throne? Yeah, we can do that too. But stop and think about what I'm saying. During this time, this season, God himself steps down from the throne to be among us. Are we there to meet him? To keep his appointments? Believe me, when God makes an appointment, he keeps it. Will you be there to make the appointment? Or will you be too busy doing other things? Again, I ask the two questions. Are you truly your beloved's? And more importantly, is the beloved truly yours? This is Elul. It is time for Teshuvah, turning back to God. The king is in the field. The king has come to you. Will you be there to meet the king? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Hear the trumpet. Return to God with all your heart. The rewards for doing so are greater than you can imagine. The failure to do so might be worse than you dared to ever dream. I am the old watchman Ezekiel. You have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, Come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.